This is Clearly Christian with Dr. Cy Smith, bringing light and giving voice to our country's single greatest hope while moving the culture to God's design. Our mission, to increase the census of those who live and influence society from a biblical worldview. The time for Clearly Christian is now. Here is your host, Dr. Cy Smith. I'm Dr. Cy Smith, and this is Clearly Christian, a podcast about what it means to see the world from God's perspective and the implication that that has then on how we train the next generation of children and the next generation of Americans to live a life consistent with a biblical worldview. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Today, I'm going to take a little different turn or a different route on our podcast in that I'm going to be the guest on a podcast entitled Purpose Under Pressure with my good friend, Brian Lefelock of Brian Media Strategy. So we'll look forward to that. And what I'm going to talk about on that particular episode, what he's asking me about really dovetails nicely with Clearly Christian Education in this particular podcast. So I want to make sure that uh, my responses and his questions, which are very good, are given ample time here today and more, again, what I'm trying to say in with that particular podcast. But first, let me set it up. Let's go to school and let me tell you what uh, I'll be talking about. Today, I need you to know more about what it means to live out of your convictions. Again, what it means to live out of your convictions or to live even a life with convictions. I say this often on the podcast that I want you to know more so that you can do more, so that you can not only think differently, but so that you can act differently. And then sometimes you can say no more if you must. So you, this implies certainly there's some action there. There's a response to what it is that I've stated living out of your convictions, or at least having convictions on this particular subject. I'm a fan of what Albert Moeller has to say about convictions, and I think he says it well. He says, convictions are not merely the beliefs that we hold. They are those beliefs that hold us in their grip. I love that analogy and that kind of word picture. Convictions are those beliefs that hold us in their grip. I love it because it implies that this conviction is actually bigger than me. It actually defines me. My life is driven by this conviction and not the other way around. It's not me holding to this thing that I think is true. It's no, it's this thing's true and I'm holding on to it. And that's who I am. You know, as Christians, this should make sense to us because conviction is so essential to the Christian life and discipleship. Our Christian faith begins with belief. We believe in God. We believe in Jesus. We believe believe in the Bible. And we hold those beliefs so strong, they define our very existence as to who we are. Everything we do as a person is driven by the fact that we're Christians and driven by the fact that Christianity is true. And so I don't really see the world any different way. That's who I now am. What makes this achievable for us, or even practically speaking, what makes this doable for us as Christians is that we know our belief is based on something true. And it's not true because I believe it. It's true because of the evidence, whether I believe it or not. The truth isn't subject to me. God exists. He created the world. He rules over the world. He sent his son to die and pay the price for our sins. And so the knowledge of those basic facts, I start with that, and then I pursue life and living according to what I know to be true in those standards that are found in God's Word. This is very contrary to what the world says today. You know, when we were younger uh, parents, we certainly loved taking our kids to Disney, and we've been there 
a number of times. But the Disney worldview or the Disney philosophy, as I might call it, has certainly done us no favors as a society. And that's this idea. If you believe it, then it will come true. You know, it's kind of the wishing, uh, wishing upon a star philosophy. If you believe it, it will come true. Well, what that's kind of morphed into now is that if you believe something is true, then it is true. It's just true for you. And that's given us a host of problems. And kids have been the clear victim of this kind of thinking. You know, there's three chalkboard points that I hope you take away from today's episode. Point number one, your convictions matter. If you want to live a life of significance and meaning and purpose, then you've got to hold to a conviction and act upon it. And you've got to hold to a conviction that's actually bigger than you because it's true. It's true outside of you even. So number one, your convictions matter. Point number two, the culture has changed so drastically and it's continuing to change so rapidly that you and your children have to know what you believe and why you believe it. In other words, you've got to know your convictions and you've got to pass those on to your children. And number three, never underestimate what God will accomplish through your life when you live with Christian convictions. Your influence will be far greater than you ever thought possible because it doesn't depend on your talents and your strength and your courage. It depends on what God says is true and he will take care of his truth. Remember, this is his story. So he'll take care of his truth and it'll play out exactly the way he wants it to play out. So again, your convictions matter. You have to know what you believe and why you believe it. And your children have to know those convictions as well. And again, number three, don't underestimate what God, what God will do with a life that is lived out of convictions. Well, again, now you know more. And as I say, when you know more, you can do more. You can not only think differently, but you can act differently and you can say no more when you must change directions and do something different. So now, without uh, further delay, let's go right into the episode, and you can hear my conversation with Brian. You can hear this play itself out in relating, uh, relating then to Christian education. So enjoy the episode. This is Purpose Under Pressure, and so we interview people who have purpose. And my guest today, uh, his purpose is others and the way they in, uh, affect future generations. I mean, everything that he does today is affecting what's going to happen tomorrow, and you're going to be interested to meet Dr. Cy Smith, superintendent of the Mansfield Christian School and the host of the Clearly Christian with Dr. Cy Smith podcast. Dr. Smith, welcome to Purpose Under Pressure. Yeah, thank you, Brian. Good to be here. Yep, thanks for having me. I'm glad you're here. And I, You and I have talked many times about what you do, and when I bring up, so what do you do? What's, what's going on, Cy? What's new? The passion just floods out of you like like sweat comes out of somebody working out i mean you can just tell that uh yeah that you believe in what you're talking about and what you're doing is at the man at uh, at mansell christian school you are bringing christian education to students so that they will see the world with a biblical worldview in the future and some people say why does that matter and that's what this show is all about tell me your purpose right. is to equip these kids talk to me about that why is that so important yeah, thanks. Uh, and you no know, pressure there in that introduction. Wow, I better uh, I better bring it here right right out of the gate. No. I'm counting on you. That's Start right. Sweating. No, I, I appreciate right folks for throwing me those softballs. I appreciate your uh, your interest and in all of our conversations are, are good ones. And and it's a pleasure to do what it is that I do. It's an honor to have been used by God in this venue for 31 years now. I'm starting 32 here at Mansfield Christian School. I just never thought that it would materialize into this. But I think maybe some of my energy now 
now comes from years and years of just watching this compound and seeing, yep, what I am doing is making a difference and what I'm doing really does matter, like you said. And I think my the strength of my purpose is growing with each passing year. And it just, uh, the strength of my conviction is growing with each passing year. So the longer I have stayed in Christian education, I think the deeper my commitment, my passion, my enthusiasm, and my conviction for what it is uh, that I do. I'm very blessed to have a job where uh, it's missional by design. In other words, um, it's not the default education that you can you can get. You have to choose this. And so you have to clearly say to yourself, okay, the society is going one direction and here's the default path I can go, or I can choose to go a different direction. Now, why would I choose that path? Is It must be motivated by some sort of specific belief that's different, right? Uh, some sort of alternative method of education. So I've given my life to this cause of Christian education that's different, obviously, than uh, government education and what we're offering by default in saying that there's a clear purpose for what we do. It's not apples to apples. It's apples to oranges. It's very different than what you're going to get anywhere else driven by my faith. And so it's a pleasure to have a job that uh, is really it only exists because of, you know, being a Christian and our Christian faith. And so that idea drives our worldview. And so we say, hey, we've got to do education differently at this particular school. And so if I want to do education differently, then I'm going to have to jump on board uh, with a school like Mainsville Christian. I'm going to have to do a whole different uh, thing. I'm going to have to have a different career. And that's what I've uh, chosen to do. And like I said, I don't think when I started here at 22 years old, 23 years old, uh, you know, I don't think I was uh, talking like this by any stretch. You know, I was glad to have a job. I knew it was going to be at a Christian school. I knew that was going to be a great experience, uh, but I certainly couldn't speak to the commitment and the enthusiasm that I have today. I was just learning. Uh, but the more I learned and the longer I stayed and the more I really dug into, wow, I'm doing something here with an eternal significance, something that is really, uh, in my opinion, um, um, of such great value um, and of such worth. And really what I've come to believe is definitely the way God intended for his children to learn. That is so important. I can't see it any other way. I can't imagine it any other way. I can't personally do it any other way. And so that now has become uh, who I am and has changed my identity. But, but what is the other way? Here, here's the issue I have. Church happens on Sunday, yeah. and I get my Christian education at church, and then I go to school where I learn mathematics, uh, English, history, all the things I should be learning in school. Right. Why why do we have to have Christian education? Why is this so important? What's missing? And why do you do it the way you do it? What, what am I missing in that equation that I just mapped out? Right, right. Yeah, well, books have been written on that, but I will try to uh, boil it down as, as, as succinctly as I possibly can. We know that God created the world. And so he is the first mover of all things, right? Nothing exists without him. We know there's evidence of that fact all around. I mean, it's plain to see. You just can't deny that. And so if everything that's true, and we'd say it like this, all truth is God's truth, because if we trace everything back to where it started, well, then we have to start with God. So all that we know mm -hmm. about life and living, take your pick from first period English class to ninth period math class, doesn't matter what subject you're studying in school. If there's some truth in that subject and we say, well, why is that true? Why is that true? Why is that true? You know, eventually we have to keep going back further and further and further in what we know about a particular subject. 
to say, where did this subject even start? Where did the truth of this subject, this knowledge even begin? Well, eventually all things point back to God. And so if a subject has truth in it, it's true because that's the way God designed it. There's a purpose for language that's godly. There's a purpose for math that's godly. There's a purpose for science and social studies. And obviously our bodies and everything has purpose uh, to glorify God in the way he planned it. Our whole reality is defined by him. So let's make that the basis for the learning every day. So what unfortunately we're happening, what's happening now and it has happened, I would contend over the last 100 years practically, is that we're treating God as if he's irrelevant to this discussion. We're just removing him from the discussion. It's way bigger than just we stopped having prayers in schools and things like that. We're not using books that contain any sort of biblical worldview. We're just writing God right out of the equation as if he doesn't even exist. Like he's just irrelevant to this subject. And we would consider you can't really study this subject unless you're studying it from God's perspective. So when you're taking him out, you're communicating something that's not true. You're saying, this is true whether God's in it or not. Nope, this is true because God's in it. And it's only true because he's there. And so if that's the case, and then you make a, a compelling argument, I can't argue with any of that. It's amazing how the truth helps define right. arguments. Then why does 90% of our, or maybe even more, why, why do public education, government educations run the gamut? I mean, what, 60% or so of people are Christian, right? right? Why aren't right. we demanding a Christian education? Why are you fi- having to fight so hard? What's the pressure that you're under and trying to accomplish this thing that you're trying to accomplish? Right. In many ways, the system is, it's, it's unfortunate, but in many ways, the system is so big and the culture is so strong that it is a challenge to do what it is we do because... Uh, we came along and Christian schools like uh, Mansfield Christian have only existed since the 60s and 70s. So in the stretch of education, uh-huh. obviously in the hundreds of years, you know, we're relatively young, dynamic. So we inherited a structure that was already like, okay, well, we're all functioning in the nature of common schools and public education. Then, you know, we came along in the 60s and 70s and said, mm, nope, let's let's do it a different way. We see things differently because so much has changed. There's a number of authors that have written a lot of good books, and I would agree with what they've said. When you trace back government education and public education, it really did start to turn in the 1920s, around 100 years ago. I mean, and you can look at our country's history, you know, after the Civil War, obviously, we were trying to put this nation together, and common schools existed for specific reasons. We had all these different, you know, religious groups and nationalities, or not necessarily, but people from different, obviously, uh, places in Europe and things like that. We're trying to get on the same page. And then things really turned, you know, in the the 10s and 20s and that early 20th century uh, because of a lot of the upheaval in Europe. And a lot of those European ideas, which were very godless ideas or Marxist ideas, things like that, a lot of those things infiltrated their way into the United States. They were kind of soft-pedaled into some other other things like American nationalism, things like that. And it quickly became apparent in the 20s and 30s. And historians are very uh, clear and they're very uh, much agreed on this, that, boy, the educational priority in the 1920s and 30s became what's it mean to be an American? What's it mean to be patriotic and nationalistic and kind of a melting pot of ideas? And then also, how can we use public schools for um, I don't want to say an agenda, but how can we use them for civic purposes and social progress and things like that? And 
uh, many groups, uh, what were called the progressives, really kind of took over education, saying, okay, we've got this big American melting pot. We just can't do Protestantism or Catholicism or any other religion. We've got to kind of dump that whole religious education thing, and we've got to move towards Americanism and things like that. And it sounded really, really good, um, you know, uh, especially at the time. And it didn't sound anti-Christian. But the driver, even back then, was, hey, this is not going to work under a Protestant Christian worldview. Um, this is only going to work because we can't offend anybody, and we've got all these kids from all these different faiths. It's only going to work if we slowly push that Protestant Christian worldview out and keep what we'll call some narrow, neutral position in. And the plan has been decade after decade to remove that. And so that's kind of what we're up against. And now look what that's, what that's brought us. We didn't just succeed at removing him. Now we're like anti-Christian in many ways, unfortunately, in our government schools. So we, uh, like I said, perhaps good intentions, perhaps not, but I would say most, especially Christian historians would say, no, that was, that was the plan all along was to crowd him out. Uh, so that we could make room for what we thought would be a neutral experience, but it doesn't work that way. You're either for him or against him, just as the Bible says. Yeah, and when you're for him or against him in the schools, and in the Constitution it says separation of church and state, which may be misconstrued or taken advantage of, it didn't mean we can't have God in schools. It just meant right. the government can't demand who, I, I, you know, I'm a simplifying things, of right, course. Right. In, in, in that situation, when you are trying to be neutral, but you kind of can't be neutral. Explain to me how, explain to me what the solution is. If the solution isn't that every child has a Christian education, and maybe it is because the schools are so far gone now, yeah. right? Like what, right. what do we do? What's the current situation? How bad is it? What's that? What do we, our schools seem to be a mess. We read about it all the time and the right. news and everything is our society's even kind of backwards. Like, can you help that? Is right. that kind of what you're trying to fix? Yeah, exactly. Because kids are, we're all wired to search for answers. We want truth. We can't grow up in uh, going to these K-12 schools where nobody takes a position on anything, right? That's just not how you're wired. Yeah, everything's okay now, right? Everything's right. whatever you think is fine and whatever he thinks is fine and she and whatever pronouns you choose to use, they're all fine. Right. Yeah, the phrase is you do you, okay? Whatever works for you, that's what you do. You do you. Well, I'm eight. I don't know what you do you even mean. I don't even know who I am, much less. I'm trying to figure out what it means to be a young boy or a young girl or this, that, and the other. And I, I in Corinthians or Colossians, I can't remember which one it talks about. I think it's Corinthians. Don't be deceived, you know, and, and taken captive by the empty philosophies of this world and, and it's swayed like children. And it uses children as example because they'll believe many, many things. You don't have a hard time figuring out what to believe when you're young. And so if you're hitting him with all these options and boy, you figure it out and I don't want to tell you what to believe and I don't want to draw a line. This is true. This is not true. These kids, even in elementary, they have no idea where to turn. And so they usually grab onto the first thing that, uh, not the first thing that makes sense, but usually the first thing that they feel accepted and they feel some sense of belonging, they'll grab a hold to that, whether that's a person or an idea or something like that, or something that maybe just even feels good. It may be the furthest thing from the truth, but nobody's ever really drawn a line for me uh, in the sand. Maybe not at home um, and definitely not 
at school. So I can't grow up in a culture in that K-12 system from age five to 18, where I've never had anybody say, this is true. This is why. Here's the evidence for it. And guess what? It's true whether you believe it or not. And that's the big- Based on- The kicker. Yep. That's the big kicker. Nobody wants to take that stand and say, you know what? This is a wrong position. You are not going to hear that in government education. Nobody wants to be that bold. So how do you, how do we change it? Getting back to my kind of original question, how, right. what's the impact that you're going to make? Is it one student at a time? Is it one city at a time? Are you the, the clearly Christian education website that you have and the podcast that you're doing, the clearly Christian podcast is trying to create or take advantage of a movement that's yeah. happening. But yeah. the, the tide is hard against you. It How is. do you change things for the better? Yeah, exactly, exactly. We believe, I believe certainly, that the only way we're going to move the needle in this country, in other words, see a significant shift in how the culture moves and how the culture behaves, is obviously to get back to that biblical worldview. In other words, you have to have increased the number of people who live and operate with a biblical worldview, who try to see things from God's perspective, that they know what truth is, they know where the lies are, and that informs how they live not just who they vote for. It's way bigger than that. It's way bigger than politics. It's how you live, how you treat your spouse, how you treat your kids, uh, you know, what you do 24 seven. It's just who you are as a person, your sense of justice and right and wrong and equality. And all these things are driven by that Christian, Christian worldview. So again, if you're going to move the needle, you have to start with that younger generation and you have to make sure that you're educating them on what it means to see the world from God's perspective, getting them a Christian education, which happens at Christian schools, fine Christian schools all over the country, or it happens at homeschooling, a number of Christians now. I mean, COVID really, uh, boy, uh, homeschooling has exploded as a result of COVID because some families, especially west of the Mississippi, they don't have a Christian school within 100 miles, um, you know, and they they all of a sudden saw what was in the curriculum. They all of a sudden saw what was in the classroom and they didn't like it. And they said, whoa, wait, that's what goes on. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to do this from home and we're going to bring in our own textbooks and things like that because that's not lining up with our worldview. So it can happen at the home and it can certainly happen in Christian school, but we've got to increase the number of kids and uh, obviously increase the number of, of, of there's, cause like you said, if 60% of the country is going to identify as Christians, well then put your, you know, let's act on it. If those are your convictions, which I doubt that they probably are, but if those are your convictions, well, then let's do something with that. Let's do something about it. And let's make sure your kids know what those convictions are. And they're trained when they, while you have them, you get, you get such a short little time with your children, don't you? I mean, as the saying goes, you're older, you're old, much longer than you are young, right? We all get that mm -hmm. zero to 18. And that's all that little lifespan. If you live to be in your 80s, you only had those first 18 years. And they didn't even know what you were talking about until you got to be age five or six, right? So you only had about 12 or 13 good education years with your kids before they went off to college or the workforce or something like that. So you have a small window to try to get them trained uh, and pointed in the right direction. Now, the Lord will do what he is going to do. And many wonderful people um, have come out of public schools and they have lived adult lives with a biblical worldview. But in this culture and in this day and age, and I would argue it's been that way for some time, uh, boy, uh, you are fighting an uphill battle. And those people uh, are fewer and far between. Uh, and that percentage is growing much, much smaller. If you don't have rock solid training when you're young, you're going to have a hard time living that adult life.
So let me ask this question to help the parents that are out there that are listening to you now and saying, yeah, I get it, but I work, uh, we work two full-time jobs. Right. Uh, we, we, we raise our kids as Christian and then we send them off to school. We, we, we don't have the funds. We rely on public transportation. Public schools have made it really easy to go to public schools. Right. They, have <laughs> right. To. Yep. they, they don't make it real easy to go elsewhere. Right. A, a family that is, is in a, not a rut, but in a pattern. A yeah. path that provides the ease yeah. of education yeah. has to make a decision. How do they make that decision when it's just not in the cards? What would you tell some of those folks that it's just not convenient to get a Christian education or, or, or is it easier than they think? Yeah. Well, few things in life that are worthwhile, all right, are yeah. going to come without some sacrifice. That's just how it's going to go. Again, that's how I started. This is the default position. The government and the way we have it all set up, they have to provide that for you, right? You're getting free and appropriate public education. FAPE is what it's called. And so you're, you're getting what you're entitled to as an American citizen. You're getting what's the, what's the common denominator that I can provide for the citizens. So if you want something that's going to be exceptional or out of the norm, uh, you're going to have to turn and veer off course and say, okay, I'm going to have to jump in the game here and do something a little bit extra. Is it going to cost me something? Perhaps. We're very fortunate, though, in Ohio. We're on the verge uh, this summer of passing a statewide voucher program that'll be largely income-based, but according to the Columbus Dispatch, about 80% of Ohioans will qualify. And so those numbers have to, to be rolled out. But for schools like Mansfield Christian, they could become all of the sudden doable for 80% of Ohioans, where the state's going to send these parents a check in the high school for as much as $8,400. And in the elementary, that check's going to be $6,200 or $6,300. Well, at schools like Mansfield Christian, that's the bulk of your tuition. I mean, you may have a slight balance, if anything, maybe some fees here and there. But to get a private Christian school education or to at least get the Christian education that your worldview aligns with, and now all of a sudden the state's going to uh, help fund that under the school choice program, which we're very, very excited about, of course, because to us, these are your tax dollars finally being able to be at work. So you're still going to be, you know, supporting that public school and the state's still going to be giving money to that public school. But now you're going to have some of those dollars that you've paid in are now going to go over to uh, Christian schools and private schools. And so that's a huge blessing in the state of Ohio. So definitely stay tuned for that because I think, uh, if finances is going to be the big consideration, uh, that's going to be off the table. And I'd say one other thing that a lot of people probably don't realize is Christian schools are a lot like college. We all have our own financial aid systems built in. We offer scholarships. We offer tuition discount. We offer tuition assistance. Our donors know that other families want this experience and perhaps can't afford it. So they give to that. So we all keep money in reserve that we can help needy families, just like you would be if you're applying to a college. We don't cost anywhere close to a college. But again, wealth is relative. So if we need to help somebody out, they apply for tuition assistance and we help them out. It's far more within reach than what most people think. Yeah. And so they need to contact you. They need to reach out. I, I, I want to give your contact information in a second, but I, something you just said. So I was on a school board for uh, 14 years, right, public right. school board. And my whole idea was to try to improve the education as much as I could for the people that were there. That's that's what I did. And that's fine. Right. You just said something I've never heard before. Uh, so this is off the cuff. Free and appropriate public education. Is that a thing? Yeah. Like, is that, that's a real term that people 
in the higher up at government uses? Oh yeah, yeah. We use an acronym free FAPE. and appropriate. Yep. Free and appropriate public education. Yep, that you're who, entitled to FAPE. Yep, exactly. Who says you're entitled to free and appropriate? I don't as a parent, I don't want that. <laughs> you're getting you're making me angry now. That free and appropriate does not sound good enough for my son or daughter. Yeah. I don't uh, like that. Right. And as a citizen, that's what you're getting. I've never heard that before. That's brand new. I'm not going to question you because you're the expert, but that <laughs> it, it sounds right. I'm not going to question that either. Google I it. Bet that's the you cruise. You can Google I, I, F-A-P-E and that's what, that's what it's It makes about. me cry. Yeah. I've sent my kids now, all three of them, to public education. I never once did I think of it as free and appropriate. And mm. had I thought of it that way, I might have done differently. Mm. Well, who so, determines, uh, obviously? Philosophically, now we have a problem. And that's where I said tracing back point. education. Who determines what's appropriate? Someone's values have to win the day. Right. Someone's values have to win the day. And there's it's way more complex than the average citizen thinks about it. Right. Who gets to determine what history book they use in X, Y, Z public school? Well, there's a huge battle going on behind the scenes that the public doesn't know about to get the contract for the state's history books, because you can't include every piece of historical information that's ever been written. Right. You can find that on the Internet, but you can't include that in the book. But, man, if I want my worldview in that book. I'm going to pay big money to get in that book and get that contract in the state's history book. And the history and obviously civics and social information, that changes all the time. But now it's already happening in math. It's been happening in science for years where everybody's agenda in every subject has to get into these books because everybody knows if I win the children, I win the country. And everybody has an agenda trying to get into what's appropriate. And who guess who's fighting for those kids, right? Everybody else. I told you, we just got him riled up. We got the the passion pouring out of him. And I think that is why you're making a difference, uh, Cy. Thank you for everything that you do. Well, uh, I think people should ask more questions. I I, I think we should not just take what we're given in a free and appropriate manner. And and, uh, uh, Dr. Smith, if people wanted to reach out to you, I know that you want them to. If they want to talk about how they can improve their own situation, how businesses perhaps can get involved. I know there's some funding needs and opportunities opportunities to help make uh, Christian education uh, more accessible to others. How would they reach you if they wanted to talk to you about these things? Yeah, excellent. Right. I'm the superintendent at Mansfield Christian School. So several ways you can obviously go through the school's website, mcsflames.org, and then you can see contact the superintendent. You'll see my information there as well. And then my personal email, smith.cy, C-Y, at mcsflames.org. And again, that's through the website. Or you can through the Clearly Christian podcast. And that has a website as well. Clearly Christian uh, with Dr. Cy Smith, clearly Christian education, I believe.com with Dr. Cy Smith. And I can be contacted through that as well. Love to have you look into Christian education and be a part of this ministry. Like you said, we're growing, uh, expanding. I mean, the Lord has blessed more and more people are starting to see what, uh, what is really out there and they really want what we have to offer. So we're very, very grateful for where we're at right now. It's a big mountain to climb, but I'm happy to still be in the game and be a part of this movement. I'm glad you're doing it. I'm glad you're part of it. I'm glad you're taking on the risks. I'm glad you're not uh, succumbing to the pressure. I know it's Mm -hmm. not easy, and I already outlined all the different things that can go, you know, and are going wrong in society. But, you know, Dr. Smith, it's just too important, isn't it? To yeah. let go. It's it's too important an opportunity. We have our children today. You and I talked once before, or maybe I heard it on your podcast. Uh, the generations 
that our decisions as parents yeah. will impact when we impact kid, our kids and then the kids that they impact and the kids that, I mean, it goes deep, doesn't it? Yeah, it sure does. Right. There's no uh, action or decision that you're making right now that won't impact generations to come. Every day matters. And yep, you are leading. You are uh, making decisions that are going to affect your children, your grandchildren and generations down the line. It's an incredible, critical uh, thing and opportunity we have to do here. Dr. Smith, thanks for all you do. And thank you for being a guest on Purpose Under Pressure podcast. I appreciate you. Ah, Thank you, brother. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Clearly Christian podcast. And thanks so much for joining me. And again, I certainly welcome your input and feel free to contact me in any way moving forward. I hope you enjoyed a conversation with Brian. I know I certainly did as well. And remember, the only way to turn things around in this country is to increase the number of people who really live and operate with a biblical worldview. And the best way to achieve that vision is to increase the number of kids in the next generation who have had a Christian education either in home or in Christian school. And that's how we're going to move the needle. Thank you again for joining me on Clearly Christian Education. And until next time, I'm Dr. Cy Smith. Thank you for listening to the Clearly Christian Podcast with Dr. Cy Smith. Hear more episodes at clearlychristianeducation.com. If you'd like more information about Christian education in your neighborhood, or if you're interested in education opportunities at Mansfield Christian School, or if you agree with Dr. Smith and want to help him in his mission to influence and awaken Christian America, you can send Dr. Smith an email through the clearlychristianeducation.com website. Message him on the Clearly Christian LinkedIn or Facebook page, or call the Clearly Christian Connect line at 419-756-5651. This has been the Clearly Christian Podcast with Dr. Cy Smith on clearlychristianeducation.com. Brought to you in conjunction with Mansfield Christian School. A Brian Media Production.